1: This is it. The time has come.
2: Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Gareth A Davies. You're better than that on Talk Sport.
3: Welcome to another Fight Night podcast with me, Gareth A. Davis. Well, Spencer Oliver joined me this week and in studio for an entire hour was the one and only Johnny Fisher, the Romford Bull, the young emerging heavyweight from East London. Well, here's what he had to tell us on the Fight Night show.
1: Please welcome the Romford Bull.
2: Johnny
3: Fisher,
0: almost heaven, West Virginia. Trying
1: to ride out the score. Good right hand from Fisher, and a second one. The
0: jab could be
2: really important here, and the busy nature of Johnny Fisher it could be important also. The right hand from Fisher, no need at this stage
1: to get involved in a shoot but he's growing in confidence. And still.
3: how did you pick that song to come into first of all
4: thank you for having me on gareth and spence it's brilliant to be on and this song yeah well it comes from my university days really i'm a country fan anyway but the big song at exit
3: university country rose take me home do you know what can i just say can i just interrupt Probably the best university in the world. Probably. Did I go yes, there then? Yes, you got it right. You went I went there, exactly. <laughs> you got it
2: right. Oh, wow. Is there any pictures of Gareth up on the wall? Yeah,
3: they're everywhere. All over <laughs> the shooting union bar. It says, like, stay away from <laughs> this yeah, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> beware. Yeah, 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 beware. That's yeah. what I like about you. You start as you mean to go on. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to talk um, about your life in a minute and how you first got um, into sport for a start because it's not just boxing that you've been brilliant at. Um, I just want to report, we, we previewed uh, David Avenician, He's being interviewed now on BT Sport. He has uh, won by TKO against Oskari Metz, an undefeated Finnish fighter, 15-0, TKO in the first round. Avenician, as we were saying before, is a threat to anyone in the division. Quick comment, Spencer. Mm. Yeah, no, it's expected, if I'm totally
2: honest. Avenician starts fast. We've seen him... Every fight, he goes out of the traps really fast. And that,
3: yeah, job well done. Just underlines how dangerous this guy is in the division. Johnny Fisher, it's a nice feeling. And you know what it feels like when you've uh, done your training camp. You've had your nerves. You've tried to have your sleep on the Saturday afternoon. You've... Done it, gone in and done the business, the adrenaline's coursing through you and you're sitting on the ring apron and people are asking you questions. That's a nice feeling, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's an unbelievable feeling. And it's an, as you said, Avanetian,
4: strong, powerful man and he's going to be avoided in that welterweight division because he doesn't really is a lot high risk, low reward, mm. as you were saying before, Spence. So I'm excited to see what he can
3: do and who's going to throw a challenge to him. Well, we're very excited to see what you can do, and it is a pleasure to have you in the studio. You. You've become a friend of the show over yeah. the last year or two. Um, let's take us back to the beginning. Were you born punching holes in a cot? Were you 12 pounds? <laughs> did you have teeth and a beard? I mean, what what, what were you like? T- take us back to baby Johnny Fish and the baby Romford Bull. Yeah. Hold on. Did you say, did you have teeth and a beard? <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I, I imagine was, he came, came out, out 11
3: pounds. Yeah, Teeth I was 11 pounds. Were you? Yeah, it was like 10 pounds really? seven or something. Oh, I like. pity your mum. Yeah, no, she's a large no, woman.
4: She's, yeah, she's all right. She's she, she's doing all right. If you 11 right.
3: pounds. Yeah, yeah, I was most a big baby. Ju- most babies are six or seven
2: pounds. I know, but I, I I was about 10 years of age before I was that
4: way. <laughs> <laughs> still growing, but yeah. So what, tell us about the early years. I was growing up. I've always been quite. I was quite boisterous as a baby, as a toddler. Um, if, I, if I think back to what my mum's told me, I used to go round with her, she used to say, I used to dress up as a policeman, put have a truncheon, and going, I got chucked out of about three or four different play schools. <laughs> but I grew up, and I, I've always been polite. Dressed as I, a policeman yeah, with a truncheon? Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> going round <laughs> with the I'm play getting, schools and I'm the getting pre-schools. these mad visions in <laughs> yeah. my head right now. One of them actually said to my mum, she dropped me off and said, um, oh, how was Johnny today? Was he, was he good? And he said, no, he's a very, very spiteful boy. And I thought, oh, no. That's not good. But I've grown up, I've got to a primary school age, senior school age, and I've always been brought up to have good manners, good
3: morals, and I'm, I'm a good boy now. But did sports help you? Clearly you were a hyperactive child, and we often say today people have ADHD or they're over hyperactive, and yeah. parents get their children into sports, and once they find that discipline... Oh yeah, they just thrive. Well, it was that
4: you? It wasn't necessarily have to be sport; it could be anything you put your yeah, mind to. Arts, but for me, music, ob- exactly. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. for me, sport was the thing. Everyone grows up playing football when they're young. Yeah. Play football, get part of a team. You meet other other young boys who you play with, and you get friends with. Sports are part of life for a lot of people growing up in a country, uh, girls and boys. So, football was the main thing. Played a lot of rugby as well, and boxing's always been a constant as well. Really, since the age of six or seven, I've had, a, I've had boxing gloves on since I was one, two years old. But from six one or, seven. Two or two years I've old? I've got photos of me in like a dressing gown with a, like a Rocky dressing gown on and the gloves. So I've always had an affinity with it. But rugby was
2: one of your first loves, though, wasn't it? You played rugby at quite a good level.
4: I played rugby at a good level, um, but it wasn't actually my first love. It's when I turned about 16, 17. I went to a sixth form, played a lot of rugby there. And then I went to university in Exeter and I was giving it a go, because basically the first game of rugby I ever played at sixth form, I broke my hand straight away. Mm. Dropped the ball, smashed, someone landed no on way. my hand. But I didn't know what was wrong with it. I kept strapping it up. I knew something weren't right with it, so I weren't punching, but I wanted to play sport. I wanted to do something, so I picked up my... Flanker, number eight? Was it- uh, I, was a f- I was a five, I was a lock.
2: Oh, I played at okay. number eight every now and then. Was rugby... Was it ever going to be rugby over boxing? Was there ever a time when you thought this is where I'm going to go? Yeah, there was. There was a time when, at the first year at
4: university, I started playing with the Exeter, Exeter boys at uh, Exeter Uni, and a lot of them feed into Exeter Chiefs. And if you're in that first team of the of the first year, you know you're in a good place. You can go on and play l- uh, minimum championship rugby, which is not which is a good standard. But um, it all changed in the second year at university when I started boxing again. Just I just started training one of my friends at the uni who could hold a pair of pads. And we had a few amateur fights. Then I started spying the old Joe Joyce. And it's just one thing after the other. And I've just been i have been going up like that ever since, just
3: one step at a time, seeing how it takes me. In, in East London, when you were um, kind of growing up in secondary school then, did you keep the boxing going with the rugby the whole time?
4: Well, I was I was more football, and rug, uh, football and boxing when I was growing up. Rugby Decent at football. Yeah, I played to district level. We won oh. the Essex Cup a couple of times. I was captain of my, of my school team. And
3: what what kind of position does a person of your size play in football? Centre half. Right. Okay. So I can't really do anything else. I've yeah, Jan kick attack. Jan Mulby. Then. <laughs> yeah, 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 something like that. Flick, flick,
4: flick. That's it. That's it. I can. Listen, I was nothing special. My brother's more of the football in our family. He played for QPR up until the age of sixteen, seventeen. Wow. So my dad used to play as well. Believe it or not, he was late. Go in on, give in them both earth. a
3: shout out by name. Shout out tonight. to
4: Henry Fisher and John Fisher for their fledging, fledgling football careers. But um, listen, of course, football's always what we grew up doing. Football, mm. we're football mad in our house where we live in London. Every, West, everyone's West Ham. And they love football. Of course it's it's a big part of the community so football's part of our dna
3: I'm will just, you fight at upton oh sorry it's when it's the it's the olympic, yeah, stadium. The olympic stadium will now. you
4: fight is it an ambition to fight there one day oh i'd day? love to fight there listen i'm not going to come out and say i'm a huge west ham fan because i'm not one of these diehard fans who goes out and follows them, but they're my local team, that's who I that's who I follow, that's who, who we keep up to date with, I've got good family friends, Freddie Potts and Steve Potts, they're both, one of them's played for West Ham, one who's mm. currently playing, and my dad's a friend Adjie Elise, as well, he plays for West Ham, so that's who I keep up to date with and it'd be brilliant to uh, fight there because all my supporters,
2: the Romful Army, most of them, 80% of them are West Ham. You've got a crazy amount of supporters as yeah. well, haven't you? I mean, tell us how many people, how many tickets you sell, I mean... Listen, Eddie Hearns not going to want to get you beat, mate, because the amount of tickets you sell, you could could fill the Albert Hall now on your own, couldn't you?
4: Well, for the last one, we sold 2,500 tickets. I sold 1,500 tickets in the first 48 hours because that's all we had. And then we had to slowly try and get more and more. But if Eddie and uh, Matcham gave me 4,000 tickets at the start, I'm not exaggerating, I could have sold 4,000 tickets. And it's a lot of credit has to go to my dad because he's the man who's been behind the scenes, working in the living room, getting it all done while he's doing another job at the same time. So I owe a lot of credit to him as well. Is he there tonight, listening or not? Uh, he's actually out. It's my mum's birthday meal tonight, so I, I left that and came here. So I've got to make it up to her. But she's uh, they're having a nice meal. Shout out for your mum, happy birthday! Shout Come out on. to mum, happy birthday, mum! And uh, I'll be seeing you soon on the weekend or yes. tomorrow. When
1: Torero comes
2: forward, he himself is open to those straight shots. Good nation from Fisher. There, he's there. to believe that we are looking at the making of potentially one of the biggest attractions in British boxing. Bash.
3: Listen, you walk into that track, you love that track. It's on your TikTok. Social media has been a big plus for you, Johnny. Um and it's really helped in your yeah. pro career. 5 and 0, oh, points in the last one, four stoppages in your first four fights. Realising the marketing capability, realising how important it is in boxing to market yourself is very important. And as a heavyweight, you have massive advantages over anyone. Not least, you can eat what you want because yeah. you don't have to make weight. That's the main thing. That's the main <laughs> thing I can eat. You Not- do cut
2: weight, though, by looks But you You, you eat healthily, don't you? Oh, yeah.
4: Listen, when I'm out of camp now, I, I'll eat what I want. I won't really control it. But when I'm in camp, I still make the conscious decisions to eat the right foods. I eat a lot of food, but... You can't if you think, you are what you eat at the end yeah. of the day. So if I go and eating loads of is all through my camp, I'm gonna feel like a spring roll, aren't I? <laughs> so <laughs> so is
3: Chinese the cheap food for oh, you mate, then?
4: Chinese in our house is legendary. If you watch the TikToks of Big John, Chinese is the top of our list every single time. Oh, Tell man. us
3: about your catchphrase that's really caught hold though and how that came about. Well,
4: um what it is, my friend, my good friend Tom Skinner, he was on The Apprentice and he started saying the word bosh and it caught on from that. But then my dad started saying it. And he said it in a funny way. He sort of says it as like a B-A-R-S-H. He goes, bash, like that. And all these university students, young kids, they love it up and down the country. We're doing personal appearance tours up and down the country and they're going absolutely mental for my dad. Cause, and the thing is with my dad, he wasn't. He didn't even realise he was on TikTok. My middle brother started filming him eating Chinese, <laughs> saying bosh. And then he had people randomly coming up to him in the street saying, oh my God, you're Big John, you're on TikTok. And my dad thought that was coming up for me because the boxing, they know me through that. But then he said... I found out I'm on TikTok, and he's got like 200,000 followers on TikTok now, and it's just it's just going absolutely crazy.
2: He's become a big star, hasn't he, the old man, he's doing he club appearances as well. Yeah,
4: we went to Exos of my old uni, last week to do a, a personal appearance there, and they was going. It's just it was just unbelievable. He's got next week. He's got Leeds, Cardiff, and Brighton in one week. He's going through these appearances, so he's he's, he's loving life. But um, it is just us being real. Um, I said to you off 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 air um it 's just us being real and if people want to watch it they wanna they want to see a bit of our life. Um, it's not so much we're trying to
2: market ourselves we're just giving people an insight into what it's like I think that's why you've become so infectious mate because you are real and people yeah. love that at this day and age people like you know people that have just been honest and being themselves and that's what you do John you come across yeah. so well mate
4: well especially in boxing because in boxing you can't afford to make things up or hide because there is no hiding place and it's the most honest sort of thing that you can do of a boxing match there's nowhere to hide so while I try and build myself up to be something I'm not i always be honest with my progress I know I'm very young in this sport I've not had a lot of experience but it sort of carries over into the social media side of it. We're going to try and give people an honest insight into what our lives are like, and if people want to follow the
3: journey, they can, and uh, we meet some good people along the way. Uh, as three intellectuals talking about <laughs> fight sports tonight in, in this <laughs> talk sports studio, I'm going to read you something about tribes and why people follow, because yeah. it's just brought this to mind. I've just called this up from a story I actually wrote about UFC London right. this week, and 25th event, we're going to talk about the UFC in yeah. London with Adam Catterall later, um, obviously one of the fight night hosts. He's He's there tonight at the O2 Arena. But there's a there's a writer, Anne, Anne Helen Sund, who I, who I quoted in a piece that I did for the BBC this week about the growth of MMA. And she says in an academic ethnographical study of mixed martial arts fighting, and this applies to boxing as well, entitled The Sport, The Club, The Body, that she saw the sport of MMA and boxing as being as real as a fight gets where a controlled fight has been uprooted from a street fight in her treatise and elevated to a special plane where the observer observer and fan suspends reality to watch heroes who make physical expression the voice of the tribes who follow them. When those voices are laced with authenticity which is what I sprung mm-hmm. to mind when you're talking about this. Those groups go to war with those they have chosen, identifying deeply and closely with them. We are wired for connection, I believe, as fight fans and as fight commentators, and following who you can really believe in has always been the way of combat sports.
4: 100%. Not even just in sport. Think back to the dawn of time. The, the Six Nations. The Six Nations is like that, that, isn't
3: it? France winning today. but, but it's, it's That, that makes that perfect kind of sense. Attitude. It does. It
4: and um that's one thing that someone wrote an article after the uh after the fight um at Ali Pali and they said my sort of fans and fan base have sort of created a tribal sense about themselves. Mm. Um the way they deck themselves out in our Romford Ball t-shirts, they meet at the same pub, they all go to the same area in Romford and then they all get on a train together. It's like it's become a, a journey, not just an event, not just a, a fight, but it's become an event for people to come mm. and watch, which is great because you, it's bringing the people together. You don't have to be
2: a fight fan to, 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 no. to, to enjoy it, do you? You, 80 you, like 90 you percent say it's an, an event sport. now. Yeah. It used to be like
3: hardcore boxing
2: fans that only went to, but that's why you don't feel like your call. Expense,
3: Identifying with authenticity has become, mm-hmm. it's, you know, the old school was, you know, because we, we we go back to the yeah, old school, yeah. 30 years involved you were longer mm. involved in the sport, you know, 40 years, you've been doing it since you were a tiny, yeah. tiny child. Yeah. You know, um, you know, so I think that authenticity, if you can if you can project that, your fans will
4: only grow. Of course. And the thing is with my supporters, I'm very lucky to have them. 80, 90% of them are not hardcore boxing fans. Yeah. They're people that have become invested in boxing because they've watched me. One of my dad's best friends, Brad, he... He's, not, he's never watched boxing before, really, in his life. He knows the big names, the Lennox Lewis's, the Muhammad Ali's, Klitschko's. But now he watches everything. He, w- he listens to this every night. Yeah. I bet he's listening tonight. And it's, uh, it's bringing more people in, which is great for not
3: just me, but the other people involved in boxing as well. We're going to talk about your pro career in a moment. But yeah. at the top of the show, you'll have heard us mention the Klitschko's, two amazing yes. heavyweight world champions. What's your view on what they're doing? It's what... Uh, It's very honourable, it's very courageous what they're doing,
4: but I think most people would do the same thing. If your country was under threat, you'd go back and defend your families, your people that you've lived with, but to actually physically go and have to do that, you've got to commend them, and they're, they're two great men. They'll go down in history as two very great men.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I agree with everything you said there. You know, yeah. they're just um, what they're doing is absolutely phenomenal. Yep.
3: Tell us about um, your hand at the moment. Let's get into your pro career here. Yeah, what, so, what's happened to your hand? So there was, I've had like an issue with it. not Nothing too uh,
4: too bad before the Torero fight in the O two, 2 And like, mm. I got through it then. I knew something wasn't right, but it was wrapped really well by a guy called Jamie Sheldon. And um, I got through it. And then the second fight in the build-up, there was a little bit of an issue inspiring like, Nothing too major. I was just focusing on using my jab more because that's got to be perfected anyway. And then um, in the fight, I knocked it. I think it was the second round, I knocked it even more. And I knew, there's something something not right. But I didn't want to make a massive fuss because I've got to still win the fight. I've got to cut, I've got to deal with that. That's all that was on my mind, winning the fight. And I won it comfortably in the end, but it made it more difficult in a sense. Tough opponent as well, you've got to give him credit. And I actually found out yesterday after some scans we'd done a few weeks ago, They first thought it was tendon ligament damage, which takes its time in itself. But um, they found there's a stress fracture, a hairline fracture, uh, running through my metacarpal bone, like a crack, and that's what's stemming the rest of the pain in my hands. So you've got to look after your hands. That's the bottom line of it because that's your tools of your trade and I could feel something was wrong. So I'm looking forward to getting them healed up. You've got to rest. You've got to think about it. I've had five fights in a year. Very intense um, to be doing that sort of training. Sure. And... um, ...now it's time to have a little bit of rest and recovery with him... ...because I've got to think long
2: term as well. Do you know what it is, John? That's all part of the development. Yeah. Now going through those things, you know, at an early stages of your exactly. career... ...if that doesn't happen to you... ...and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a title fight... ...and it happens, it can it can mess your head up. So that sort of thing is really good for you... ...to happen to, happen to you early on in your career. You go through that... ...and you're right, we were talking about it on the show... ...actually, your fight, was we were doing it live on yeah. fight night... ...and you you switched tactics, you worked behind your jab... ...you yeah. started doing things... ...all right, yeah, no, it wasn't your best performance... No. But it was a great learning fight, a great for your development. Do you know what exactly. I mean? And I love that way. You also take constructive criticism. Oh, you yeah. take that on board. You go back. You don't get aff- offensive about it. You know. But listen, it's not my be- It's not. It's not. An, it wasn't my best
4: performance because everyone wants to knock someone out in round one, round yeah. two. But if I look back on it, as you said, if I'm passing a test and passing challenges, I dealt with a cut in the first round. Yeah. I didn't have a very good hand. I dealt with the crowd. Yeah. I dealt with the fact I've had an opponent who's probably a bit. A higher level than what I thought before. sparred lots of rounds with AJ sure. and Usyk, and should I've had him for my fifth fight? Probably I should have. It's it a perfect, perfect fight. Perfect because fight. If I went and blew someone out there, and I've got to ten and zero, and I've knocked all
2: ten of them out, and they've been a little bit lower level, I'm not learning anything. You'll look back on your career. When you look back on your career, when you're into that championship, because you yeah. will get there, when yeah, you yeah, get into yeah. that championship stage and everything else, you'll look back and you'll go, Fight Thank number God five, was, yeah. I learned more in that fight than I in did all first four. All oh, first yeah, four. Yeah, tell us true.
3: Tell us what you learn sparring with the likes of an- Anthony Joshua and all these other big heavyweights.
4: Well, I've sparred Fury, Daniel Dubois, Joe Joyce, uh, Dave Allen, even Huey Fury. And that's where I've done the majority of my learning because I didn't have an amateur career to, as such. I had four, four senior amateur fights. That's where I've had to do my learning. And I know in my head there's no replication for fights to sparring but there's certain things you can pick up not just from the sparring itself but how people act in camp. Mm-hmm. What sort of preparation they do. You can pick up on things. You can get advice from them. When you are talk, like, t- talking to Tyson Fury one of the things he said to me is keep your circle small and keep people close to you who you trust because you'll get the hangers on. You'll get people who are trying to uh, Creep in and be part of it But you know You're going to keep around mm. you And that's why I keep My mum, my dad, my cousins I keep people that I trust around me And I think that's very important
2: I, I was going to say That will be very important for you Because as your army grows And you've got a massive army You're going to yeah. want A lot of people wrapped around you And you've got to choose Very carefully Definitely You know we've seen In the history of the sport People like Mike Tyson Who was an all, all time great But look at the entourage That he yeah. had when he went in the ring Look what, what, where were they When know, it was man. all gone you know, that's what I'm saying. That's, it's what, like, that's
4: one thing with me in my, in my last fight. One thing I didn't want was loads of people in my hotel and loads of that because people started. Oh, I want to come in a hotel and see. Her. For me, all I want there is Mark Tibbs, Jimmy Tibbs, my strength and conditioner Sunny Cannon, and my managers. I don't want anyone else there because it doesn't suit me anyway. Mm. I don't like having all these distractions around me. I'm there to do a job, and that's all that matters.
3: Have you had the chat with Jimmy Tibbs about him sparring with Muhammad Ali yes. when he came to the UK? Yeah, unbelievable. He showed me the pictures of it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, but I've seen that. Jimmy it. Tibbs
4: is a. If you're talking about a living legend, the first man. That comes to my to my mind is Jimmy Tibbs. He's got so many stories and the wealth of knowledge behind him. You know, you're in good hands with someone like that in your
2: camp. I trained with Jimmy actually. I done yeah. a, I done a, I trained for about a week with him. We was doing a series on on Sky many many years ago. But yeah, guys just got an incredible amount of knowledge. Yes. Really, you're wrapped around really good people, yeah. and obviously Mark as well has got a wealth oh, of knowledge as well. You're in good hands, mate. That's
3: what I need as well. That's exactly what I need. There's old school and there's old school with a K. Yeah. And he is properly old school. <laughs> yeah, and he's, he proper, he's proper East End <laughs> as well. Is, and you proper, know the history.
4: Yeah, we know the history. My dad's from the East End as well. Yeah. We've got roots in there. And yeah. everyone around Essex knows who, who Jimmy and Mark Tibbs are. And it's, it's brilliant to be wrapped around that because people... The, the the army's growing all the time And they love the fact That we're with Jimmy And Mark Tibbs And Mark's got Amazing
3: knowledge as well How many times Obviously with the hand What's the situation At the so, moment And how many times Would you like to get out This year Well I am contracted For seven more fights mm-hmm. um, So um,
4: Hold on gonna, Seven more fights this uh, year Six more fights this what, year What this seven, year Yeah But Wow It's going to be difficult to fit in because we're looking sort of uh, end of June, July time. So realistically... With it Yeah, it's going to take another six to eight weeks to heal because I've rested it already for a little bit of time. We don't know how bad it was before and they've done the scan on Wednesday and it's shown up Mm. that they're still cracking it. So it's probably healed up since then. But these things just take time. But realistically... June, July is not that far away. Mm. Hopefully, I'll be punching May time, June time, and then six to eight weeks camp, and I'll be back fighting again in the six rounder. So four, four more fights this year.
2: Uh, yeah, I think realistically three. If you do four, you've done well. If yeah. I'm totally honest, because that's, yeah. that's that's what people don't understand as well is like you're boxing when you're boxing four rounders, six rounders, eight rounders. People think and you're knocking people out in a round. They don't realise it. It's not the fight that no. takes it out of you. It's the training camp. Before training the camp fight.
3: That's a good right hand, a chopping down right hand, caught him on the side of the head, high on the head. And the referee are judging that the ropes kept Matt Gordon up there, which I would say is
1: a good
4: call. John Lewis wipes off the gloves, has a really, really good look at him and decides that that
1: is enough.
3: Dave Allen's been in action tonight. Uh, He beat Milan Paunov. Um, Great to see Dave back. Um... First time he's fought for, for eight months. We thought he'd retired. You've got some little stories about Dave yeah. Allen, who's a cult figure in British oh, yeah. boxing, isn't
4: he? Listen, I, I'm a, I'm a boxing fan, first and foremost, and I grew up a few years back before I was boxing. I look up to Dave Allen because he's a fan favourite and he's he's tough, he's hard, and I actually sparred him. The first pro I ever sparred was Dave Allen. I, was, I think it was 18, 19 at the time. Went down to his gym with Darren Barker. It was two weeks before he fought uh, Lucas Brown. I'd done six rounds with him. And I'm not going to lie, he belted me about a bit. Uh, he was at the peak of his power. He was at then, the peak though, of his fair. power. But one thing, I was, I, I I knew I could be a boxer from the, after that spar because Darren Barker watched and he'll tell you as well, I didn't stop coming and I didn't give up and I kept coming forward and I was giving him shots back at the same time. But I... I I dealt with Dave Allen, who's at the peak of his powers, and I stayed
2: in there. Yeah, do you know what? That, that's what I was talking when we were talking earlier on in the show about, you know, the development stages and everything yeah. else. You need that. You oh, need yeah. to go through that. Everybody needs a good belt in, in the yeah, gym. of course. To, and that sort of it puts you on the right path. Do you know what I'm saying? So when you get into a fight, to explain it, when you get into a fight and you go into that dark place, as we all do, you've got a bite on the gumshield and it's getting tough, and you're questioning your, yourself in your own head, and you're feeling a little bit sorry for yourself... When you've been there in sparring, that sort of pulls you through. Oh, do you know what yeah. I mean? Because otherwise it can be a lonely place. And if you get that little bit of doubt creeping, bang, all of a sudden the fight can be over. But yeah. that sparring, thats that takes you to a place where you go, right, I've been here before. I can do this. Exactly. I can fight down. And that's do you know what I mean? said. That's what I knew. I knew
4: that after that spar, I've got the minerals, I've got the ability, and I've got the grit to be able to be a boxer.
3: Mm. <laughs> it's funny, you know, Dave Allen suffers depression as well, doesn't he? And yeah. it's one thing that we talk about a lot. Um, one of the things that... Um, does happen for a lot of you is that when you're active um when you can't be as active as as you are now do things bother you look you're very close with joe joyce yeah um just how good is joe joyce and does he beat aj in the future
4: joe joyce to win to get to an olympic final first and foremost you've got to be world class uh I think in my mind he won that fight. But I think he's matured, he's aged like a fine wine and he's at the peak of his powers now. And I think Joe Joyce, because of the way he boxes to the casual fan, the way he he carries himself around, he's not the most fluent boxer in the Mm. world. He's very underrated because of that. And one thing Joe Joyce has got, he's got a great jab, he can punch heavy-handed, he's got a great engine and he's got an unbelievable sense of durability about him. So... Mm. For if you're trying to build a heavyweight and you didn't look at Joe Joyce and you put all their ingredients together, there are three or four ingredients you'd want
2: at the top of your list for any heavyweight. So you've got to give him credit for where he is and he is world class. Yeah, I mean, you look at Joe Joyce and said to, to somebody that's only a casual fan, you see him and he's very unorthodox, looks a little bit one-dimensional, looks slow, looks yeah. body, bloody, but... He's effective, is he? And he just seems to break people exactly. down. He's got an iron jaw, man. I mean, tell me about his jaw. I've seen actually clips of you sparring him and yeah. I've seen you levering him yeah. with some big shots, but he just keeps coming forward. Uh,
4: over the last year or so, mine and Joe spars, as I've sort of got better as well, become more competitive. And mm. we do, there's some spars we don't do anything quite tame and other spars we completely go for each other and try and batter each other. The
2: one I saw, mate, I would have I paid for. I would have yeah, paid good money for that.
4: That. That, was one of the, that was one of the more intense ones. And we I've hit Joe with... Right hands like flush on the chin, he stumbles him back a bit, but he's just like the Terminator, keeps coming and coming. I've seen him in Las Vegas, spar this big Samoan guy, six foot five, huge, 20 stoner. He caught him with three or four left hooks, flush on the chin, and Joe Joyce just didn't budge. Just didn't budge. <laughs> I actually read somewhere and I spoke about this before, he's got bone density yeah, six times g- that of a I normal was gonna say gear. that,
3: I was gonna say that. Does so that play part? Yeah. Merz, t- I mean, listen, he, he's a freak. I mean, one of the things asked about AJ just now, Anthony Joshua against yeah. Joe Joyce, yeah. is one of the things that you, th- you, you see when you see the silhouettes moving is that Joshua's got faster hand speed, Yeah, but if Joe Joyce walked through two mm-hmm. or three rounds against him it becomes interesting. It becomes very, very well, I think if it
2: gets into round seven and fatigue starts setting in and Joshua slows down a little bit, then it gets Goes interesting. Jo- it's jo- just whether Joe can get through yeah. that six that, that Especially rounds. Especially Joshua
4: where he is now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If, if he's talking about this fight in 2016, 2017, I'm being honest, I'm a big friend of Joe, you probably put Joshua as the favourite. Yeah. But if you're talking about it now, we don't really know what sort of Joshua's going to turn up I think it's more of a 50-50 fight really? that give it credit for. I
2: mean, you would know because you've been in there. Have you sparred yeah. Joshua I've never well?
4: sparred Joshua, so right. I can't talk from that experience. Right. But I can say what I know what Joe Joyce brings and what I can see of what Joshua's done and what he's like at the minute. It all depends on the mentality of Joshua as well. He mm. might be thinking, now, oh, look, I've made I've made my money. I've, I've been to the top of the sport. It's getting more and more difficult. This, this, Has he got the same hunger? I this don't game's
2: know. a psychological game, isn't it? Yeah. It's, all about the, this, it's all about the nut. If the nut's not right, exactly. you're in big it's trouble. 90% to do with that.
3: Come on, how does the Gypsy King compare to them all then? You've been in, how many rounds do you think you've done with the Gypsy King? I've only done a handful of rounds, i sparred him a couple of times. How does he compare to the others? Joy, uh, Fury's, Fury's the top, Fury's the
4: top out of them all, because he's got a bit of everything, fast, strong, speed, mm. mentally very, does very Does he hit strong. hard? He uh, cause a,
2: that's one thing that people have doubted in the past, a lot of people doubt, they say, yeah, he's awkward, he's long, he's got long arms, he's got an amazing boxing IQ, but is his punch power, what is it like? of course he can punch of course it, I, when people ask me if a heavyweight can punch I'm,
4: so, I'm sort of like of course he can punch because any man over 14 stone sure. hands flushing your chin can punch Compares to Daniel Dubois, people like that. I think Daniel Dubois is probably the heaviest puncher I've been in with. Really, I think so. His jab's like a right hand when he hits your face, so you know where the right <laughs> hand comes. You don't want to get hit by that. But he's just if you're talking about Tyson Fury's punch power, just ask Deontay Wilder in, in the first exactly. fight. Ask him in the second fight. Mm. He was knocking him all over the ring. So any man who's not a 19 stone, six foot eight, six foot nine man, he can seriously punch. No matter sure. what you compare it to other people, anyone over
3: 14 stone is going to be able to punch. How do you see uh, the the Tyson Fury Dillian White fight? Because we're we're very excited. Yeah, about I'm very it. excited as well as a boxing fan, as a British boxing fan.
2: It's going to be an unbelievable to watch. Hopefully, we pack out a stadium. Is it where is it going to be? Well, Wembley, it, Wembley. Wembley Stadium Wembley. is sold out. But do you know what? It's a potential banana skin with Dillian White. Dillian White's one of those guys, I don't know if you sparred, have you sparred Dillian. No, I was but going Mark. He's, to, he's I was with Marco, got long arms, isn't he? It. And he's, like, yeah. he's a little bit unorthodox. You yeah. don't quite know where them shots are coming. And that left hook... And wow. we're talking about mentality and having a good nut.
4: Yeah. Dillian White's up there as being one of them people who go to the well every single time to, to try and win. So that's sure. what Fury's got to be wary of as well.
3: Johnny, before we go to the break, you must feel blessed. We're talking about all these names at the moment in British heavyweight yeah. boxing, never mind the world. Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, Joe Joyce, Daniel Dubois, Dillian White. i probably repeated myself there, but no, you, that, 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 you know, Derek Chisora. Yeah. Hughie yourself Furies, Huey, like, Fury yeah. all these guys are. on Joseph Parker's over here and he's, he's kind of Fabio, Wardley's and people Fabio like, yeah. Wardley I was going to come on to that the kind of lower, developing, yeah, developing guys it must be, feel like a blessing to be in this era because you've got so much to compare
4: yourself oh, to test yourself against 100% and I know I'm very aware of myself where I am and I'm never going to say that oh I'm, I'm, I'm higher than this or I'm this position I know I'm at the very very early stages and I don't know how far I can get if I could be a British champion one day I'd be over the moon but that's what I think's gonna keep me grounded and give me the best chance to get to the top. I know where I am and I'm gonna stay
2: realistic with where I am as well. Do you know how it comes across with me? it comes across to me that you feed off the fact that you know you've got all these guys and you're the inexperienced yeah. ones of the ones. Yeah, it's, it's a bit like being a little brother when you wanna beat your big brother up, yeah. you go and that and that's like that's your main thing on your mind. Oh, yeah. you, that's all you wanna do is get there exactly. and do that. It's like I wanna be the little brother
4: for as long as I possibly can yeah. because that's where I'll keep developing in the shadows of other people. I wanna be a person who's learning and feeding off other people because that's what I need to do. I'm not a well beater, I'm not someone who's who's had a prodigy from the amateurs. I'm very, very humble and I'm very realistic about where I am, but I know the one thing that gives me hope is I've got these raw ingredients, the athletic ability, the power, I know I've got the mentality, I've got the dedication, and that's how far I can go. It's all up to me how far I can go. Because I've got a great team around me. Be way hipster.
1: Don't stop me We've got to
3: ask you about tactics. Ed, our producer, brought up a very, very good point in the break, which was, um, we'd like your view on what Dillian White's doing just now leading in to this fight on April the 23rd at Wembley Stadium in front of 100,000 people. Total wall of silence not coming to the press conference. Now, we know what Tyson Fury's like. Is White being very smart here?
4: I think so. I think he is. Well, we know what Tyson Fury's like when you do go to the press conference. He always wins that battle every single time, Mm -hmm. doesn't he? Whether that's Klitschko or whoever, he's fighting Wilder. He always seems to get on top. Could you
3: address as Batman ever or not?
4: I don't think I could pull it off. He's just the master Maybe of Robin. mind.
2: He's the master of mind games. Any he, Fury, he's you're never going to beat him at that. And you know, as as we've talked about already earlier in his show, you know, it's eighty uh, percent mental, twenty yeah. percent physical. And Fury gets a lot of those fights won before the first bell because he gets inside the opponent's yeah. and head. And He doesn't even he, think about he, it. It's no, innate. It's, 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 it's is, natural.
3: Yeah. It's it is the way he is. I've spent a lot of time around him, and you don't know what no. he's going to do on mm. any given day. He's no. a master at that. Yeah, so
4: it's interesting to see what sort of approach Dillian White's taken. I don't know if it will have any effect on, on Tyson Fury because he's mentally strong, he's mentally stout anyway, but one thing it will do, it will mean that he won't get in his head during the press conferences, so it probably is a smart move.
3: Mm. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. My reports are this week that Delian White's moved home in, in the Algarve, he's moved up to the mountains, yeah. he looks absolutely ripped apparently and you know he's probably sucking up all that media tease and and like you say he's not having to fly over from portugal it would not surprise me gents if he doesn't appear in the press conference on Fight Week Mm -hmm. and just comes to the weigh-in and the fight. He
2: doesn't need to sell the
3: fight. That's the thing. The fight
2: sells itself anyway. Dillian's smart and he knows that. You know, some fights need selling. Tyson Fury's boxing someone that's not really well known. Someone, you know, a, a, a guy from a different country that's not very well known. He's got to sell the fight. He's got to get out there and he's got to do his bit. This fight, people know. Like people know, this is a serious fight. Dillian's a potential banana skin. Dillian's doing the right thing by, play, by playing the silent guy. That actually is bringing more eyeballs to yeah. it because people are asking the question. You know, it's getting into people like, where is he? What's he doing? How's he look? Is he training? You know, all these things. And one thing Mark Tibbs said to me when he used to train Dillian White. One thing about
4: Dillian White is he's a very, very hard, diligent trainer. So mm. you can bet your bottom dollar that he's out there in the Algarve, in the mountains of Portugal, wherever he is. He's training. He's training his absolute best. So
3: we'll be. We're going to be in for a treat. I hope. I we think are. so. Yeah. I think so. In 1976, I, I think I'm sure we've spoken about I this before. 1976. was one. 19, <laughs> yeah, you know, I was in one. 1976, Muhammad Ali took a vow of silence against Leon Spinks, who just won the Olympic uh, yeah. heavyweight gold, and decided that with only eight fights, there was nothing he could say about the guy. He lost on points over 15 mm. rounds. He won the rematch, of course, and it's like. That vow of silence created more media Absolutely. coverage. Because yeah. they were waiting for... In the end, Ali took some tape off his mouth. Yeah, for I mean, one of the press conferences. It's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal thing to do. Could you ever imagine doing that? Would you pull that one?
4: I wouldn't do a, I wouldn't do a vow of silence as such, or trying to... Uh, Blackout and do nothing, but for me, it's more about the fact that if someone tries to trash talk me, I'm not really the sort of person to trash talk back. It's just not in my personal style to do that. Yeah. Is that a rugby I thing think as well? I think so. You, you learn a lot of respect from rugby, not chatting back to the rest. It's better it's, to, it's, to take might...
2: one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think if you went silent, though, mate, the Bull Army would go absolutely nuts. Yeah, want other, other people him, yeah. speaking. other people speaking
4: for me. Someone would take over, which would be, which would be. I let them do a lot of the talking for me anyway. Like yeah. I've got people. I've got great people around me: Terry Stone, Tom Skinner, uh, Food Review Club. Like all these people that are part of the Bull mm. Army now. What we've started to call it. Mm. And um, I've got characters as it is. So for me, I, it takes a bit of pressure off me having to like talk, yeah. talk myself up and stuff like that because I don't want to do that. I just want to do what I've got to do, my job. And I'll learn. I'll get better. And if people want to watch, they can keep watching. You what is, a, do you
3: study? Communication at university
4: or something? No, no. studying history, which is slightly different. But, um, yeah.
2: But so, so you studied history. Gareth looks like a history teacher. <laughs> we were match made in Evan.
3: Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, Absolutely. Of, one of the things that's interesting is um, one of my old mentors, Colin Hart, so, you know, yeah. sixty years of covering the sport, yeah. always says that boxers can't be too intelligent. Yeah. And do, you, do you know what he means by
4: that? I do know what he means because you can't. When it comes to boxing, it's like um, you can't overthink it. Try, you, think think you, you can't it too overthink much. it. Yeah. If you think
2: about it, you know it goes wrong, doesn't it? You know no. when you're trying something new in the gym. To yeah. explain it, to to give you an analogy of it, when you're trying to work something out in the gym. Yeah. It always goes wrong, doesn't it? No, you got it to flow. Goes wrong. You know, you know. When talking you're thinking about, about throwing a yeah. jab, you get hit with a jab. But your
4: best when you're not thinking about. it. You know, when you get that flow in the gym, you're on the bag, you're hitting yeah. that pad, and you're just yeah. flowing. That's yeah. the best stage. You don't always get it, but every now and then, after a few weeks in the gym, you will get that for you feeling. Mm. You're flowing. You think, Oh, I'm here now. I'm ready. Or when that's you, you knock someone
2: spark out, yeah, it just happens off a just combination. Happens, yeah. You haven't about, have not thought about Yeah, and all of a sudden, it. boom, he's down. You think, That's, that's Andy. That's what you got
4: to do. It's got to be instinctive with boxing. So you said you can't think about things too much because boxing's still an instinctive. Yeah, of course. It's a very primitive sport still. Do you think
3: boxing taught you to apply yourself?
4: Yeah. It's given me... Well, I've done it since... Even though I didn't have a long amateur career, I've always been in the boxing gym since the age of six or seven. Sure. And it gives you a grounding. Definitely mm. does, because you're sparring kids bigger than you. you. You you go into these boxing coaches and amateur boxing gyms are brilliant because it teaches you respect for, for people older than you and adults in the gym. Like, I was quite fearful of my first trainer, Alan
2: Bush. Like he'd always tell me I was quite porky as a kid boxing trainers though boxing trainers they're quite brutal boxing trainers they're so old school it's unreal they get away with a lot of them say stuff that you just can't get away with in the real world I'll give
4: you an example I was quite chubby as a kid like big 12-13 years old I used to come into the gym and he said John what have you had to eat today and I'd say (laughs) sausage rolls Bacon roll, <laughs> carrot cake, sponge cake. And it's like, well, you know where you're going wrong. That's why you still got a bit of timber there. And he was right, though. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, yeah, It doesn't matter. He probably wouldn't be able to say it now. <laughs> I know that was 10, 15 years ago, no, but he's probably right.
2: Yeah. I, you know, we go down... I go down to finishing boxing club, and they're still like Sean Murphy and all that. Yeah. All the old school University trainers. of
3: life, yeah,
2: that, that is, isn't absolutely. It, Yeah, it's yeah. My, old, my old gym. So when I go in there, and you go... It's like... It's like the, time that place, uh, the place that time forgot. Yeah. You go in there and nothing's changed. So, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just there. You and, need and a and bit then, of that. And the, 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 the verbal stuff that goes on there, you think, wow, mate, that can't go on. Like in Mom. the real world, you couldn't get away with saying stuff Mom. like that. Right. That's in the last cool. two
3: and a half minutes before you head out into the dark night, yes. yeah, out onto the cobbles <laughs> where no one will challenge you, my friend, <laughs> um, <laughs> tell us about visualizing the future. Will you be a world champion? Can you become a world champion? Do you believe in yourself that much? Where are your aspirations? How high can you take them? Well, I think if any boxer goes into the sport, you need to have self-belief and you need to have a
4: dream. And my dream, and it still is only a dream in a minute, Mm. we all dream of boxers of becoming a world champion. But... My aspirations, like long short term, I'd love to have a title, like an area title in a in a year year or so's time. We'll move, fights, something yeah, like something yeah. like that. Then maybe Traditional a, Route. Traditional route. Have a look oh, at like an, an English title. If yeah. I get to that and that that might be my I might get to English level and that'll be my lot. I don't know. But I might be able to say oh, I could change for a British title and when you get a British title. Then the world's Joy Star, you can go from there. But if yeah. I ever get my hands on the British title, I will be mate, that would be my dream. Uh, mate, I love You'll, that you'll get
2: your hands on the British title, I'm sure of that. I know you're you're, you're around at a time when it's stacked with yeah. with heavyweights, but I think looking at you, Johnny, from when I see you when the first when you first turned pro, and yeah. I knew Owen Coyne who was doing yeah, a bit yeah. of sponsorship with you and everything yeah. else, and they said mentioned you, I come down to see training stuff, your development from then till now is incredible. If it keeps moving at that pace. You know, in a couple of years' time, you know, forget areas, forget English, forget British, yeah. Commonwealth, European. You know the world's your oyster. I hope so. It's but all about hard work and dedication, mate. Exactly. You've got plenty of that, bundles and of it. I, and I and think that's timing what I mean. and luck. That's
3: and all it. Of, and you need blessed, all, of that. all of it.
4: But you need that. And I think the dedication and my realism of knowing I've got to get through these little steps first is what's gonna allow me to get to that bigger yeah, picture. Absolutely. Because If you forget the little steps, you won't get to the big picture in the end.
0: Almost heaven.
3: Brilliant stuff from Johnny Fisher, phenomenal to have him in the studio. We look forward to watching his progress. My thanks for Spencer Oliver for joining us. You've been listening to the Fight Night Podcast Special.
0: Older than the trees, younger than the mountains, growing like a breeze.